0: Good morning, it is, a, uh, it is a joy to be here, uh, so thankful for New Covenant and um, was thankful before I got here, but thankful even more because you sing songs that say, you're the author of creation, you're the Lord of every nation, and your cry of love rings out across the lands. Um, Jonathan's right. I have a a great privilege of doing a work at Clemson and being a part of a ministry called RUF International. And we we minister to international students that are here at Clemson to get their masters, to get their PhDs, or come as visiting scholars. And so they come from literally 90 nations. There are about 2,000 on the campus at Clemson. Ninety-six percent of the internationals at Clemson um, are grad students, and so that's a large percentage. Um, and you, New Covenant, you don't just sing about it, but you actually support us, and I am grateful for that. Um, we, um, the ministry's been there for about 33 years. Uh, the previous uh, campus minister, Rick Bronner, was there for 31, and we came almost two years ago in the middle of covid to do a ministry that I had no idea uh, about um, really three years ago. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, so um, like many of you, uh, I grew up praying for God to send missionaries to China, God to send missionaries to all those countries in Africa that I never knew were or, or, or knew about. Uh, God would send missionaries to everywhere. I, I, I sent through many slideshows with the with the clicker and the, and the slides that dropped in the carousel as, as, as would do that. Maybe you' you're familiar with that. I had no idea that He would use me to go to those nations, except I wouldn't go across the ocean. The nations are on our doorstep. and I have a, a, a herd of volunteers. Uh, that you are invited to be a part of, you just have to reach out to me and let me know. Uh, that ministers and does foreign missions in our backyard. So, thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, God is 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 doing something, and uh, I just returned uh, Saturday or Friday night from uh, a week at uh, Laguna Beach, where your students are going to go to RYM later um, this year. I'm assuming. Um, where I took, um, I took four international students uh, to join with um, undergrads and about 35 other international students, and we spent a week at the beach um, hearing about the gospel, uh, talking about the gospel, and worshiping. It's the first time that 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 kind of group of internationals have ever gone and been a part of that, so it was it was a beta test uh, for us all as we try to figure out what that will look like in the coming years. Uh, but uh, it was so beautiful to stand and worship with the nations. I think our best estimate was there are about seventeen different nations at Laguna Beach uh, this past week um, just Thrills my soul to to be a part of that. So, uh, thank you, and uh, it is good to be here. Uh, thank you for the worship songs, um, Jonathan. You did a great job picking out the songs. I'm sure you I'm sure you did that, but uh, they just tie real uh, real nicely with uh, with the message this morning and, and what I hope to uh, communicate to you. A lot of people ask me, so how did you get into Rufi Ministry? And I tell them that it's a it's a story. Um, it's a story that dates back probably about. As best as I can pinpoint, probably 33 years ago, um, I, was, uh, I was a youth minister at a, at a little Baptist church uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and on my day off, I would drive over because I'd been invited to go to a Bible study, and I sat under a, a, a teacher, and, and one day, he, he spun this little phrase, and he said, God is, is filling up heaven with people from every race, tribe, tongue, and people group. And for a, a kid from western Kentucky that really basically knew black and white, that was a bombshell. And I thought, if that's really true, then I need to know what it means to be a faithful steward of that. And I think literally from that point on, after God kind of wrote that on my heart, He began this process of giving, getting me acquainted with a variety of different people from different situations, from different places, with different stories. And over and over I would find myself in those those situations until we moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky about 15, 16 years ago and we moved there to plant a church. Bowling Green, Kentucky had 26 languages spoken in there uh, city school system and so I was already primed and excited about how are we going to reach the nations had a large um, international population in that community I pastored that church for 13 years and then the Lord uh, led us to a place that it was time to go and um, we didn't know exactly what that was going to look like to go where we was going to go to And my friend called me and said, Brian, have you thought about doing RUFI? He actually called me three times. And so the fourth time I said, you need to probably explain to me one more time exactly what you do. And he explained it to me. And what I saw at that point was I saw that God was bringing together my love for the gospel, my love for the local church, my love to see volunteers get their hands dirty in, in ministry and loving their community, and a love for every race, tribe, tongue, and people group. The only problem is I would never really sat down and had a conversation with anybody cross-culturally. So I'm here to tell you that I'm the least experienced RUFI campus minister that we have, and God is at work in spite of that. Uh, gathering the nations. This past semester we had the opportunity to influence and and, and interact and have conversations with over 150 students from 30 different nations. This passage this morning is a story as well. And it's a story of how God um, opens that door uh, of the gospel uh, to... um, a variety of different people, um, in a variety of different places, and I would say that if you're here this morning, if you have walked into this place for the very first time, I applaud you for the courage it takes to walk into a strange place where people stand up and sing strange songs that you may not know, and say strange things and use words that are bigger than 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 maybe you're accustomed to hearing. Um, I pray that today you will, you will hear. Uh, a story um, a story of, of of one who seeks and who saves those who are broken and burdened by the devastating effects of sin and he wants to establish and he's at work establishing a new kingdom and a new community of people from every race, tribe, tongue and people group would you pray with me Uh, to that end that uh, that God would um, would do that God as we get ready to jump into this passage here in Mark um, I pray that you would um, be so kind to open our eyes to see what it is that you would have us see that you would open our ears to hear And Lord, that by the power of your resurrecting spirit, you would awaken us to live differently. God, I believe you can do it. I've seen you do it. You've done it in my own life and the lives of many friends. Would you do it again this morning? We pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to be reading. From the Gospel of Mark, that's on the right side of your Bible, and it's the second book, Matthew, Mark, of the New Testament. And Mark is probably my favorite book of the Bible. And um, this is uh, a sermon. um, I I don't remember many sermons that my youth minister did. Sorry, Tim. But um, I do remember this one, and he actually called it Gary the Naked Man. I'm not going to call it that this morning, but that's there for you to think about. This is the story of Jesus healing a man uh, with a demon, it says. But I would add an S to that word, demon. They, that would be the disciples and Jesus, came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and toted in the city and the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man... The one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he, Jesus, did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Lord, bless the reading of his word. And give us eyes to see now. All right. So what we have here is a mess, right? I mean, this is this is the most graphic depiction of an individual that I have found in Scripture. Uh, this is a um, this is a desperate situation. Have you ever been pursued? This is a question I'll start with here. Maybe, um, and I'm not talking about the police, and I'm not talking about being stalked, okay? I'm talking about pursued. Um, I pursued my wife uh, when we were in college. She wasn't my wife at that point, but uh, she was this um, girl that had caught my attention, and um, I disrupted her in the library from her studies. Um, I kept her out late, and she didn't do well on test. I pursued her because I had an interest in her. And I wanted to get to know her. And eventually that became a desire to to love her um, and to spend my life with her. Have you been pursued? I'm talking about someone who desires to demonstrate their love and their care for you. Someone that wants you just the way you are. Someone that wanted you and wanted to enter into a relationship with you. This is a story about Jesus pursuing an individual. An individual that he desires to set his life-changing affection upon. In the Gospels, we see Jesus welcoming a number of individuals who are messed and broken up. Just in the Gospel of Mark, not looking at other Gospels, Up to this point, up to chapter 5, we've seen a number of people who have had many issues. There's a man with an unclean spirit. There's a man with leprosy. There are sick in chapter 1. There's a paralytic in chapter 2. There are people with questions in chapter 2. There are crowds um, and his own family in chapter 3. But Jesus also didn't just welcome people. He actually sought out people too, didn't he? We see that. Really, chapters 1 through 4 all have episodes of where he sought out a particular group of people, his disciples. The, the ones that he would call to follow him and, and, and go with him. And Jesus has got his disciples with him even in this, in this story. You don't hear from the disciples in this story, which I think is hilarious because, one, they, they just come across the, the Sea of Galilee and they've been in the storm. You may be familiar with that, that story where Jesus is asleep on the pillow in the, in the front of the boat and there's a storm that comes up. And all these fishermen and all these disciples are scared to death for their life. Jesus says, I don't know why you're scared. Uh, I'm with you. He stands up. He says, shh, to the waters and the waters which is remarkable. The disciples at that point are even more scared um, that this man can stand up and speak to water and it listens to him. Um, And then he calms them and then they arrive on the shore, this Gentile territory, and they are met by this naked man running down here. It's crazy and screaming. I think that's maybe why the disciples don't speak. I think they may be standing there with their jaw dropped um, there. But Jesus does. Jesus enters into this situation that is not any place that anyone would want to go. And this man is not anyone that anybody would want to meet and have a conversation with. But we learn something of Jesus there. Jesus enters into this, this, this conversation, you might say, with this man. And there are at least three things that would, would keep Jesus, a Jewish man, from being with him. Three things that make him unclean. The first thing, he's unclean because he lives near a herd of pigs. It's a Gentile area. Jews didn't, didn't hang out uh, in, in, around pigs. It was an unclean animal. He lives in an unclean world. He lives with the dead. He lives in cemetery. And he's possessed by a legion, which is a Roman military term for 6,000. A legion of unclean spirits. He's unclean. First of all, this man is. He's untouchable. No one had strength to subdue him. Like They, they, they couldn't control him. The, the demons, the, the evil spirits somehow had had manifested themselves in his body that he had just remarkable strength. He was untouchable. He was uncontrollable. When they were able to, to get chains around him, he, he, he just it says it wrenched them. He just broke them. The strong man. And they had just, at that point, they just kind of given up. But he was unavoidable, also, wasn't he? I mean, I grew up hearing stories about the boogeyman, and I was always afraid of the boogeyman. Um, But this this was a scary man. I mean, night after night among the tombs, in the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. I mean, this is a messed up individual. Can you imagine the inner chaos of this man lonely I mean where is his family where is his friends maybe they are the ones that tried to bind him and and did everything they could and they just finally gave up we don't really know he's he's certainly needy beyond measure desperate despairing scared scared I mean, we could, we could probably build quite a, a list, right? And I imagine that there are some here this morning that can relate and that do relate to this inner turmoil that this man had. Maybe you're not naked and living among the tombs, but maybe there are things in your life that are out of control. Maybe um, you don't know what lies ahead for you from moment to moment, day by day. Maybe you have thought or already been trying to harm yourself. Maybe your emotions are out of control, ranging from delight at one moment to despair at another. Maybe you're so unstable that it's one glance at a Twitter feed or a TikTok or an Instagram post, and you see somebody, and you're just, you're just undone for any number of reasons. And you plummet to the depths of discouragement, hopelessness, and despair. Listen, if there's anything that's clear about this, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of mystery surrounding demons, but I'll tell you this evil is real. And sin is real, and we see in this man the reality of, of what sin and evil's intentions are. Two times already, Mark has has uh, Jesus has had dealings with these interde- uh, these unclean uh, demonic spirits. I mean, this is a place that you would not want to visit. And you want to avoid. But contrary to all reason and all expectation, Jesus goes and seeks this man out. He goes through a storm to get to this man. And he takes those disciples with him. The point's very simple with this, this, this first point here. Do you think that you are beyond the reach of the grace of God? Do you think that you are so dirty and unclean that there's no hope? Do you think or believe that you are invisible to God? That you're off his radar. Are you like the man who has chased everybody away and nobody wants to be around you anymore? And maybe I could even add, some think you're beyond the reach of his grace, but some may even believe pretty likely that you're beyond the need of his his grace. Can I tell you that if you're here this morning, it is because there is a God who still seeks people who are so messed up and so broken. If you're here this morning, it's not an accident. If somehow you found yourself sitting in these brown chairs I believe it's because this same Jesus wants to meet you. I've had several students over the last year tell me that they've wandered into this ministry and they are amazed and, and never expected to occur what's occurred in their life. They're just, they're 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 amazed. They just never saw it coming. Scripture says that God doesn't go after those who are healthy. He goes after the sick. And that is the first thing that we see here is that He is going after the sick. But look what happens, verses 6 through 13. Jesus has a plan. He's not got a people that he's seeking, but he's also got a plan. In verse six, this uh, shows up. This man shows up and he hits his knees. And immediately he says to him, swear to me that you will not torment me. Now, there's a lot more that we could unpack, but that phrase kind of jumps out at me. And I want to just kind of think about that for just a second because I think it's a familiar phrase. I mean, think about this. Think about how bad his life is. And yet now he sees that Jesus is coming and he thinks it could actually get worse. It's pretty jarring. Maybe you're there. Maybe you think it's just just a, a downward spiral. Why would this man in this condition, described as one who spends his nights in the graveyard, yelling and cutting himself, be saying, Jesus, swear to me that you will not torment me. And I'll tell you why. Because that is exactly the nature of sin and evil at work in our lives. To keep you from the life that he comes to give you. To keep you from being healed and to keep you sick. To keep you at a distance. It's the lie and the deception that was whispered to Adam and Eve in the garden. Did he really say not to do that, Adam and Eve? It's meant to rob you of life and to plant these seeds of doubt and distrust in your life. Haven't you found yourself thinking the same thing about Jesus? I know I have. Just all the time. You know, if Jesus shows up in my life, then it's just going to make things worse. If I follow him, I won't experience more life. He's just going to suck the joy right out of life. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. And over and over again, we exchange the truth for a lie. The truth was plain to this and to these demons. Look at his confession. He knew full well who Jesus was. Jesus, Son of the Most High God. But again, I would say every day we hear that voice whispering in our ears. That voice that wants to come and still the joy that God longs to give you. That life that He longs to, to give you that tries to convince me that god cannot be trusted that the pain and the cost is too great to give up my freedom when god says to you you need to forgive that person that's wounded you and you think nah, i don't know about that that's going to be mm, that's, that's a little too that's a little too much you realize he's not he's not trying to hurt you in that command. He's actually trying to save you and spare you from a soul that rots with bitterness and resentment. Teenagers, when he seems to withhold something that seems so right and feels so natural. You think, ah, oh, I, I just can't see it. And those seeds of distrust and those whispers in the ear, ah, oh, he doesn't really love you. He's just keeping me from experiencing something that I really, really, really won't need and deserve. You see, that, that whisper is everywhere. When, when we look at our our budget and, 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 and our finances, and we come into the end and we're kind of going, This is God, you know, it's surely, I don't get this. Why am I, I, I could do better elsewhere. You see how those seeds and those whispers are so present in our life. But I want us to understand that and, and to hear Jesus's intentions are not to take life away from you and from this man, but really to give you life. In fact, the life that you long for, the life that you have been looking for, the life that 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 is it's like a splinter in your soul that's that's wrenching you and you you're, you know there's something else. He he that's what he's trying to do for this man, and this what he's trying to do for us. The enemy would love to hold you captive to your fears. Into your anxiety. And sometimes it does. Evil and sin is not, it doesn't just get better. <laughs> That's an illusion. Something has to be done. Sin and evil come in and they complicate things, they aggravate things, they make things worse. And when we elevate anything besides Jesus, To the place where it has the dominant voice in our life, then we begin to fear. We begin to have the anxiety. We begin to um, move away. Think how a career idolatry begins to drive us away. We overwork. It deceives us of how much we are working. You know, we, we, we fool ourselves into how many hours we're actually spending, which in turn turns out to erode your health, possibly, your relationships, your marriage, your children. But what we see in this passage is we see Jesus coming to this man to bring healing. Look what happens. Verse 15. This man who's crazy naked man is now clothed and in his right mind. What happened? How did that occur? What's in the story? This man got a first-hand look at how a messed-up life can be made new. He knew his condition. He saw how bad it was. He was consumed with death. The legion of evil spirits were released and sent to the pigs. 2,000 pigs. And what happened? They ran down the hill. They drowned. They were destroyed. And what this man sees and experiences there is that this is the depth of his wretched, pitiful condition, but it's also the height, or it's actually, and it's also the intent of what sin and evil desires to do but it's also the height and the lengths to which God will go to show His love. Eva wants to take us over a cliff. Jesus wants to take us and give us life. He shows the height, the depth, the length, and the width of His love here, doesn't He? He shows the love that He has for this man by seeking Him out and by healing Him, by sending the... The demons out. And in doing so, Jesus demonstrates his power and authority over evil, bringing life where death once reigned. But that's not the end of the story. There's one more point. Quickly, we look at what happens in verses 14 through 20. It seems a little ironic that all the townspeople want him to leave, right? Get out of here, Jesus. We see what you've done, you just wrecked our economy. And we don't, we don't have any idea what to make of this man that nobody else could do anything with, but you've done, just leave. But verse 18 shows us the other side of this. You've got this man that's been, is now sitting clothed and in his right mind, and what's he want to do? He wants to go with Jesus. Seems sensible. I mean, they could really have a show, couldn't they? I mean, send him up and tell the story about how He had 6,000 demons, and now he's normal. But Jesus says no. Why would Jesus say no to that? He did not permit him to go. Why did Jesus do that? Because from the very beginning, we have a God who intended to send the good news of the gospel To all the lands, right? (laughs) To every race, tribe, tongue, and people group. And in this particular account right here, Jesus is sending out His first Gentile convert. God left this trophy of grace to wander the streets of those cities wonder what that man told people when he ran into him. Maybe he said something like this. I saw this man on the beach. When everybody else was running and hiding, this man, he sought me out. When it seemed like there was no hope because of my problems and pains and past was so messed up, he showed up. Showed up and he loved me more than I'd ever been loved before. I saw it with my own eyes. He took all the evil in me and sent it away. And I know that the death of the pigs was costly, but I got my life back. You know how messed up I was? But that day on the beach, I experienced a love that wasn't afraid of the sin and evil in my life. I mean, if that's the story that occurs in your life, how can you not share that? Well, he does. And if you read a little bit later in chapter 7, around verse 31, Jesus goes back to the Decapolis. And when he goes back there, something happens. And the people there, they don't say, get away, Jesus. It says, the people were astonished beyond measure at the works of Jesus. Jesus. Which brings me to the beautiful ending of this story. Or maybe the beginning. Do you know what it takes to be astonished by the works of Jesus? You have to give your story. And you have to let him put your story into his bigger story. This man, Jesus, if you read on in the book of Mark, you'll find that he was left alone to die, abandoned, outside the city also. Rejected not by people and not by just his friends and disciples, but by his own father. He cried out for relief, not relief for himself, but relief for others. And there on the cross where he hung, he gave his life as a substitute. One man for many to redeem those who knew the reality of sin in their life and brokenness and that needed rescued. I asked one of my international students when I read this story, I said, why do you think that Jesus said no to that man and told him he couldn't come? You know what he told me? He said, it's a more beautiful story. that man leaves and goes back with Jesus they're left with 2,000 dead pigs and a broken economy (laughs) but if he stays there's a beautiful story walking around the streets that everybody there can see and understand that they too could have their story changed just like him what about you? He's still seeking, he's still demonstrating his power, and he's still sending people out to tell the story. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this story that you have given us, and we confess that there's a lot of things difficult about this passage um, But maybe one of them is is how we share our stories in a place where we're very known and very familiar to others. But God, I pray that you would remind us of your power and the spirit that you've given us to go and to live our lives and to tell our stories. And for those that are here this morning, that are curious and wonder what it would look like to be astonished and changed. I pray, Lord, that you would give them someone that they could talk to today. And that today would be their day of a new story. A beautiful story.